0: Wedge Issues is brought to you by Wispolitics.com, a place where political insiders go for news, opinion, and campaign information. Once again, that's Wispolitics.com.
1: All right, I'll be honest with you guys. I was a little starstruck and maybe a little nervous about interviewing this week's guest. Not only did Liz Winstead co found Air America Radio, she also co founded The Daily Show. Yeah, like that daily show. I'm Jesse O'Poyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about state government and politics in Wisconsin. So, Liz Winstead founded a group called Lady Parts Justice in 2015, which has since changed its name to Abortion Access Front, or Abortion AF for short. And that group is coming to Wisconsin to put on some protests and some shows in support of access to abortion and reproductive health care. I talked with Liz about why she created this group, what their plans are for these shows, and what kind of role humor and satire can play in politics today when things don't seem to be all that funny. Stay tuned, that conversation's coming right up.
0: City don't understand, so relax.
1: Well, thanks for taking some time to talk.
0: Sure, no problem. There's a lot to talk about in
1: Wisconsin. <laughs> I know. It, it, I was it, gonna so say, you got uh, uh, <laughs> You you're from Minnesota, right? So this
0: is pretty. Cl- yes, and there's better re- yeah. there's better ways to get to Wisconsin so I can have a plaza burger. It like, gets all I want to do is get to Madison and have a plaza burger <laughs> and
1: enjoy myself. But no, no. Not this week. Instead, you have to protest anti-abortion groups. (laughs) Good God. Yeah. So there's like a lot going on here. Um, The OSA is is coming to Milwaukee, and you guys are putting up the fight against them. So you're you're launching the abortion access front tour in Wisconsin, right?
0: We are. We're launching it in Wisconsin um, because we, you know, it was we were trying to figure out where to start, and then when we found out that. Operation Save America was going to do their week-long invasion, as they call it. I mean, the Milwaukee paper today actually said, quoting them, we're going to Wisconsin to invade the gates of hell, which is how they refer to abortion providers, to give you just some indication of um, their warmth and Christianity. So, um, yes, so we thought, you know what, Wisconsin's a really good place to start because Wisconsin was one of the states back in 2010 Um, under Scott Walker and co that had some of the most um, repressive laws proposed. Many of them, thank God, were overturned um, in, in, in court. But, you know, it was ground zero. I think a lot of people will identify the South and all these other places as sort of like, where is this stuff is happening and where this stuff is happening is everywhere. And so... To be able to team up with activists in Wisconsin and to be able to bring some really badass activists who have experienced this week of action that Operation Save America does is going to be super valuable. So we feel like anytime somebody trounces into a town with messages of Islamophobia and misogyny and anti-abortion rhetoric and anti-LGBTQ stuff, we can enter with messages of love and support for those who feel threatened by it.
1: I'm glad that you mentioned that you know, people, I think, don't necessarily associate Wisconsin with where these things happen. Having been covering state politics for a long time here, you don't realize, I think, if you're not here, I mean, people talk about Texas, they talk about Alabama, they talk about these other states that have these things happening, but Wisconsin has become really one of the most restrictive states for abortion access. It has. And, yeah, and uh, it kind of happened without anyone really paying attention.
0: <laughs> My focus has been... You know, following politics for a really long time, and you know, fundamentally, um, when these laws started happening in 2010, I was like, Americans need to wake up to the fact that state legislatures are going to decide their gun laws. They're going to decide the reproductive care. They're going to decide what policing looks like in their community. You know, they're going to decide who you can love. Like, it's really important that people understand what happens in midterms and what their state government, the power their state government has, right? And there's nothing more boring. Oh my God, people just hate talking about like state and local (laughs) politics. So I thought, you know what, if I can really focus on this and then really center reproductive rights and abortion in particular, because it's super important for me that for years, I think we have sort of danced around abortion. We have we have not said the word. We've sort of seeded our language and our morality to a set of beliefs that come from people who are invested in patriarchy and misogyny. And for me, who's had more than one abortion, and knowing how that has literally given me control of my own self-determination and my destiny, um, to not be able to say abortion and name it as the thing you're defending and then to if, if you don't do that then you don't give it its proper and moral place in the human rights uh, landscape that we talk about and also in the medical landscape that we talk about and so you know we've changed our name of our organization we used to be called lady parks justice league and we changed it for a couple of reasons it just became very clear from folks who don't identify as women who have vaginas trans people queer people that it was not inclusive. You know, that was one big reason to change the name. And then also to say, you know, we're going to say abortion, and we're going to have a conversation. If that makes you feel uncomfortable, let's talk about it. We're coming to Wisconsin to talk about abortion.
1: An abortion AF. It's got a good double It's got double a good double meaning. Like exactly. So what do you do when you come, when you're coming into Madison, when you're coming into Milwaukee? Um, you know, there's a protest element, and then there are these comedy, music, burlesque shows. What is the the whole abortion access front experience?
0: So the whole experience is if you can't see us live, you know, you should check out our website because we make videos that kind of that lay out the landscape of where we're at and expose hypocrisy. And there's sort of fun, funny or die type videos that cover the gamut of of reproductive rights. Um, and then when when abortion access front comes to town um a bunch of stuff happens um we have a couple of goals and um one of the goals is to make sure that the people who are providing care in a town get um get some self-care and um if they need any help around their clinic we go in and do this kind of habitats for humanity work with them i think one thing that people don't understand is if you provide abortion in a hostile city or state A lot of times it's really hard to get somebody to fix your fence or get a contract for your lawn care or help you with your gardening. We, in advance of of coming to a town, we find out um, what are some needs of the clinic, and then we will go do that. And then we do some kind of crazy variety show. It's a combination of burlesque and comedy, comedy and music, straight up comedy. It can be just a really fun night. Um, that we have designed to basically gather folks together in a room in a community, have a really good time, and then after each show, we have an incredibly intimate and informative conversation with the providers in the town and the activists who are working locally because we understand that when you're working on issues on the ground, sometimes you are working so hard that it's really hard to grow your base. And so one gift that we can give locally to communities is just say, Hey, we can round up a decent amount of people, um, come to a show, and then we can turn the stage over to you to to let folks know what you do, what you need, and how they can help and join. And so then right there in the show, uh, people can sign up to join this activist group. They can do some activism at our table right, uh, right there. Um, and they can learn what's at stake. Um, There's a lot of folks who I think um, are pro-choice, maybe passively so, but I think that they don't understand really what's happening profoundly um, with the legislators in their state. And I think a lot of times people really don't understand that the white supremacy that we're seeing coming from the Proud Boys and coming from, you know, Charlottesville and these other places, um, that they're also rooted in, Um, an anti-abortion framework as well. So we want to bring activists who are working in racial justice spaces and social justice spaces um, together with us um, so that we can really coalition, because a lot of times the anti-abortion extremists, people only see them in front of the clinics, and what they don't understand is that they are also lobbying um, politicians with messages of just crazy islamophobia and crazy um anti-lgbtq extremism i mean the leaders of operation save america have been videotaped proudly outside of mosques burning Qurans. you know they proudly preach that um homosexuals should either be quote uh, quote cured or thrown in jail you know they they firmly believe that they if you are someone who's had an abortion Um, that you should go to jail or even get the death penalty. I think the thing that people have done for so long is turn them into fringe when they are having audiences with people who are state reps and governors all across the country. So you learn a lot about who they are. You learn about what's going on in your state. You learn what you can do to help. And you have a great time. That's the experience. And then we take to the streets. If um, If they decide to protest, then we will go and counter them. We don't go to clinics unless we are invited. There is only one side outside of a clinic that is bringing upsetting violent rhetoric. It's the anti-abortion extremists. You know, clinics are a place of refuge and a place of sanctuary where someone's going to get healthcare. And so we don't want to add to the cacophony of that. Um, So we take them on, you know, before they get there. Whether if they're going to be doing some kind of like demonstration away from the clinic, that's where we'll be. If they're going to try to have some kind of solace and refuge, that's where we're going to be because the truth of the matter is if they're not going to grant people the peace to exercise their right to have an abortion, we're not going to grant them the peace to organize around trying to create cacophony um, in the lives of so many people who do not want them there.
1: Did I read correctly that in Madison we're going to see an abortion positive Jesus.
0: Yes. So we are. tell me
1: about that. Would Jesus have been abortion positive? I feel
0: like look. Yes. And I also feel like um we've created a character that is um Jesus' sister who didn't get any credit Ooh. for a lot of stuff. Like, you know, I mean, she was Jesus the person who picked out the wine for the marriage of Cana. She was the one who told Jesus that sex workers should be loved and supported. You know, she is the one who gets no credit for a lot of stuff, and so we're calling this Jesus, um, she's, um pronouns she, her, uh-huh. and Holy Ghost. <laughs> and um, so, I think a lot of us feel like we should hear from the person who sat at the left hand of the Father when nobody knew that Jesus even existed. So, we're going to be doing a basically a um, revival, and Jesus believes um one of the greatest gifts that was given from um her dad was the gift of facts and science and so we just want to go over that um to have people pay homage and honor to science and facts and um Megan Rapino.
1: <laughs> yes, always Megan Rapino now.
0: <laughs> always Megan Rapino now. All the time all the day. Jesus yeah.
1: could probably do the Rapino pose and that would be like very appropriate.
0: Wedge Issues is sponsored by wispolitics.com. You can become a wispolitics.com member. Find out more at wispolitics.com slash membership.
1: So I love that you I care about state government politics. I mean, that's my, my reporting background is that. And I, you know, that's it's you're so right that it's so important. And I know you come at this from you've had a national platform for years how do you keep up with what's going on uh, in states and how do you kind of keep that at the forefront? And also why does humor and satire work uh, for this particular area that that you've decided to focus on? All right. First I'll
0: answer the first question. Um, We have researchers who create this incredible um, docket every day for us of what's happening in Um, state and local politics around abortion, just what's really astounding and why I get very frustrated about the national media saying, well, that's happening in X state. And it's like, no, it's happening in six, the same thing is happening in 16 states. That's no longer a state problem. It's called a trend, It's called a national trend. And when people pass legislation and create model legislation in state legislatures and get it passed, there is a purpose for it. It's either to challenge the Supreme Court or create a federal law. Those two things are are always true, and those two things are national news. So that's my rant about national news. Not paying attention to the trends. So, um, so having so it's really so I just read constantly. I'm reading all day, and so humor and satire. Um, I think that satire done well, um, and I think that it's not all satire is a helpful tool. I think good satire is. And good satire means you have to um, be willing to take down your idols when they either make a mistake or use their power for evil, right? Yeah. And so if you be because if a good satirist is a trusted narrator, and so I think part of the reason is if someone's telling you the truth and then bringing you joy, all wrapped up in a ball, wow, there is no there is no better person than that, right? <laughs> yeah. And so if someone brings that to you, um, you're going to be more willing to like them. And if you like someone, you're more willing to listen to them. I also think humor helps point out hypocrisy because I think a lot of times the the go-to feeling for a lot of folks is this shit isn't true and we all know it. And yet people are believing it. And people who've been elected are now believing shit that's not true. And then um, turning it into policy. So to be able to say um, you're not nuts, you're being gaslit. This isn't true. Let's ha- let's laugh about it. Um, it really helps people do a recenter with their emotional stuff. That I think is super important. But one of the reasons that I I took it all all of that stuff I just said and then put it into an activism space is. I believe that satire and raising awareness without a call to action um, can be, uh, it's like I'm an anger fluffer, you know, and I don't want to be able to say, here's all this stuff. I don't know what to tell you to do about it. I wanted to be able to say, here's all this stuff. You're right. It is screwed up. You're right. Let's laugh about it because we're all actually know the truth. And now here's a way to fix it.
1: So, I mean, the timing in which you've been able to do that, I mean, Things seem to have just gotten kind of shittier in recent years as all of this has come to a head for you to, to have this career, right? Um, I mean, does it get harder? Or thank you, shitty world. Right? It's, it's perfect. It's setting you up. I mean, does it does it get harder or does it get uh, easier? Is it does it feel more vital? Are there things that are just like too awful to to satirize, or is it that much more important to put it into that space?
0: It it does seem more awful, Um, and I think that for me, um, as I've peeled back the onion and I've seen um, not only just zealotry on the rise, but as I've seen historically how we've talked about reproductive rights, oftentimes it's not even considered. If women and people with uteruses are not in conversations around this, it doesn't get talked about. You ask any candidate running for president prior to, I would say, even 2018. Before that, if you were to ask anybody what their priorities were, um, on the Democratic side I'm talking about, abortion rights wouldn't be in the top five. You know, we have candidates like Bernie Sanders. We have Nancy Pelosi. You know, we had, we had historically Hillary Clinton until she came around. Um, uh, you know, we're saying, well, that's a wedge issue. And, and we're, there's room for a Joe Biden there's room to talk about abortion and there's a compromise. Really? What part of my reproductive life and body do you feel you're entitled to decide what happens to it? it I mean, it's, a, it's, it's on, and we've allowed that to happen. We've allowed apology. We have, and we've allowed stigma from our own side. And so unpacking that onion, mean, we started doing workshops and we started having conversations with people who casually say things like, well, nobody likes abortion. It's like, no, people actually do like abortion, you know, and, or, you know, everybody hates abortion, but we, but we're pro-choice. It's like, do you know what that sounds like to someone who's had an abortion or a person that provides it? Do you know what it sounds like? It sounds like, and, and and they're like, Oh, I guess I never thought of it that way. And it's like, right. Why is it that everybody's so quick to make, Make sure, that we say abortion is this horrible thing. If we actually don't believe that, if you are pro choice, you need to school yourself on actually what pregnancy is like, what does the gestation really mean, you know, what is a, what happens, what really happens when you have an abortion. You know, I think that we don't know enough, and I think we don't talk about it enough, and I think that people have just for years allowed extremists to create a narrative that creates this weird morality, um, around what's the right thing to say about abortion. Um, but we definitely can't say we're pro abortion. And it's like, we all need to unpack why you actually, why people feel they actually can't say that because we don't talk about it enough. And it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, which is, um, I've been in, over a hundred clinics around the country. I've held people's hands who've been through procedures. I've seen a procedure. I know exactly what happens. And if everybody went through that experience, they would fully understand and come away with something totally different than what they've made up into their heads about why they have to make excuses for abortion. We shouldn't have to make excuses for abortion. It's a moral ethical choice that people make because people know what's best for their pregnancy outcome. And we don't live in a society that respects pregnancy outcomes at all when it comes to poor people or people of color especially. It's like if somebody is a poor person or a person of color, maybe they're young, um, maybe economically disadvantaged, and if they were to decide to keep a pregnancy at 15 or 16, they would be chastised and judged if they wanted to do it and needed help from the government because the government doesn't want to help.
1: You you said something that reminded me of the, a story I, I wrote. So a few years ago, one of you know the I don't know, like three abortion clinics in the state at the time was closing. There was a, well, the only the one, one that was in really Green north of Madison or Milwaukee. Yeah, the Appleton yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, Appleton. That's and so right. I, yeah, I, you know, I wrote a story about it and I put, in the headline, you know, Appleton abortion clinic, or you know, Appleton Planned Parenthood that provides abortions, closing because like that's the point of why this is really significant. In addition to everything else that they do, and I got an email from a woman who you know described herself as being a Democrat, and described herself as being pro-choice, and she was upset with me for having put abortion in the headline because she's like, oh, that's not all that Planned Parenthood does, and you're giving them a bad you know name for for doing that. It was like, no, this is what they, this is the point. You know, we you, yeah we have to talk about it.
0: Well, and that's the whole thing is that. When people say, you know, it's only 3% of what they do, and it's like, I don't care if it's 99% of what they do. You know, 3%, there is no morality to 3% of abortions versus 99% of abortions. Either you believe abortion's a moral choice or you don't. I mean, I used to be somebody who was like, oh, they do a lot of other stuff. Yeah, but no one's trying to legislate their other stuff. Our government has said to Planned Parenthood straight up, if you stop providing abortion, we'll leave you alone. Right. But even as we've seen now, you know, they're going after um, uh, contraception, redefining contraception as abortion. You know, this is the kind of stuff that is so crazy. It's like an IUD is abortion. It's like, what are you Uh, talking about? Yeah. I mean, literally, the Supreme Court has said it, it, it so much is. In ruling in the Hobby Lobby case, they have said, that a religious affiliation who doesn't want to support abortifacients, which they say the morning after pill and an IUD is, it's like, oh, my God. So now you just get to redefine stuff as abortions. And that contraception, I mean, is, you know, I read an article about one of the leading from one of the leading anti-abortion activists named Lila Rose, who wrote this article. And she actually said that birth control is the gateway to abortion. And I have to tell you that I feel like it's the gateway to preventing abortion. There's a correlation between birth control and controlling birth.
1: <laughs> it's kind of there in the name. Is your mind blown? Did I just blow your mind? <laughs> it's crazy. I know, it's crazy.
0: <laughs> I know. You know. I give me the Pulitzer for that.
1: <laughs> you need it now. <laughs> I always wonder on that. Yeah, like, is it sure. is it worse if they're if they don't know? Like, if if someone really thinks that's true and they don't know, or if they've just decided to ignore what's true? I don't know. I don't know what's worse in that case.
0: Well, the justifications are usually um, just rooted in, like, cockamamie science. The anti-abortion movement has a similar organization to Emily's List, which is the Democratic, uh, what they do is they focus on pro-choice women, getting pro-choice Democratic women elected. That is That is what they do. And they, the the anti-abortion movement has the Susan B. Anthony Fund, and they will do any candidate who is um, anti-abortion. So they have funded and started something called the Charlotte Lozier Institute. And a lot of times, when you see anti-abortion rhetoric or science or something, they'll say um, there's been a research study done by the Charlotte Lozier Institute that says X. And the Charlotte Lozier Institute was 100% funded and created so they could create wacky research papers that are not peer reviewed, they're not, um, you know, tested in a way that a regular research paper would be to prove their anti-scientific point. So all of these um, studies that you see about abortion causing breast cancer and, and abortion causing mental illness comes oftentimes come out of this Charlotte Lozier Institute, which is literally just a huckster place that has been designed to create research,
1: fake research to back up their fake facts. Yeah. Like who needs real science?
0: I mean, science is overrated. It <laughs> right? only proves
1: things. Who needs <laughs> proof? No, apparently not a lot as of people. My fr- as my friend says, as my friend says, I don't need facts. I'm an American. <laughs> Like Exactly. Oh, it's funny because it's true. What? Uh, tell me what's coming next for you guys. What's on the horizon? And how do people find you? Get involved? Um, yeah. What do you want people to know?
0: Um, so basically, you know, come, come join us. Come for the fun. Come for the street theater. Um, you know, it's incredible. In Madison, we'll be at the Heinen Saloon. In Milwaukee, with have the Under- Underground Collective. And then we have a really cool burlesque show also at the Coop Bridge in, in Milwaukee. Um, just know that um, we are really dedicated and traveling around to places that um, are in desperate need of our help. Um, super important for us, for people to understand that we're not just like weird Um, you know, East Coast or West Coast folks coming into a town to say, hey, here's what you should do. Um, What we do is we've created so many relationships with people on the ground and we've worked with them virtually and we've worked with them on the ground that we know what they're doing and all we want to do is make sure that their community gets to know their work and that we can expand the work that they're already doing.
1: Well, I hope you get to get your Plaza Burger. Do you have any other, like, favorite must-gets must when you're in Wisconsin? I mean, yes.
0: I like – if I can make it to the North Canuck, I will. Um, yeah. Because I love a Kringle. <laughs> oh, man, yes. <laughs> the Plaza Burger is the greatest thing to me in the world. And, I mean, it's high concept to have sour cream and to have a pumpernickel bun, and it's everything to me. I So – um, and I like cheap domestic beer, so I'm mean, <laughs> in. I'll even go with Milwaukee finest. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I'll, like, even do it. I, I just, I'll go in. Um, I miss Schlitz, but, um, you know, I'm a hams girl. I'm from Minnesota, sure. so what can I say? Yeah. Beat me up. Well, <laughs> But I am, and this is not pandering in the slightest, and it gets me in trouble every time, is that I am a Packers fan because um, I love a union team. Yep. And so my Minnesota folks are just like, in a fire <laughs> don't want to hear from you.
1: I mean we can definitely forgive you the hams if you're going to be a Packers fan there's really that's all you need I know it's true <laughs> yeah. but I think the brewers are trash wow.
0: oh, <laughs> okay no one's coming to my show now um you know I'm staying with my twins and the house on the rock that's for God's oh, sakes, It's like the weirdest the place the in rock. the world <laughs> it'll be my third time it's the greatest place on the planet earth and Wisconsin has it in its borders it is it's literally the greatest Marco. place I've yeah. ever been in my life <laughs> Oh my God. So House on the Rock, you guys could really do anything, but the fact that House on the Rock exists, <laughs> it
1: absolves all the things. Thank God. Thank you so much. This has been great. Thank yes. you. It's been so, so fun helping you come to the show.
0: Thank
1: you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. We'll be back every Friday with new episodes, give or take because summer is vacation season. So make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so you can stay up to date. If you have feedback or suggestions for me, you can find me on Twitter at jessieopie or you can email me at j-o-p-o-i-e-n at madison.com. While you're waiting for your next Wedge Issues Fix. You can also check out our other Cap Times podcasts like The Corner Table and The Mad Splainers. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Wisconsin. Oh,
0: Wisconsin. Wedge Issues has been brought to you by Wispolitics.com. There are plenty of benefits to becoming a member. You can go to wispolitics.com membership to find out more.